0: Hello, I'm Evan Reese, an Asia-Pacific analyst at Stratfor, and this podcast is being brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe.
1: if you look at the odd negotiating tactics of both the North Koreans and their traditional patterns and this administration, both of them canceling doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen. Both of them saying it will happen doesn't necessarily mean it will. Uh, They seem to love this unpredictability.
2: Welcome to the Stratfor podcast, focused on geopolitics and world affairs from Stratfor.com. I'm your host, Ben Sheen. Just hours after North Korea destroyed the tunnels at its Punggye-ri nuclear test site, ahead of scheduled direct talks with the United States, US President Donald Trump issued a formal letter calling the summit off. For more on what we should make of these moves, and if in fact the summit is off the table for good, we sit down with Stratfor Senior Vice President of Strategic Analysis Roger Baker and Asia-Pacific Analyst Evan Rees. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, I'm Roger Baker. I'm sitting here with Evan Reese, and we're going to be looking at the U.S. president's uh, letter to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, stating that the summit is off. Uh, It certainly came as a surprise to the North Koreans, to the South Koreans, and to the Americans this morning as well. Uh, Evan, what are you seeing initially as some of the responses to this?
0: First of all, the South Koreans are scrambling. Uh, It appears that they may not have been informed of this ahead of time. President Moon Jae-in just made this big trip to the U.S., met with Trump at the White House in an effort to try to keep this on track. It came after midnight or late in the evening in South Korea. They called an emergency meeting. They're trying to figure out what to do. And there were reports out of North Korea that some of the journalists that were there for the test site dismantling were actually reading the Trump letter to North Korean officials there. And North Korean officials simply left the room. So everybody seems to be scrambling to try to react to this shock announcement right now.
1: Uh, One of the things I think that we've been looking at is whether this is the result of the technical problems Mm -hmm. in coming to an actual final agreement on how to dismantle North Korea's nuclear weapons, what's the timing, what does denuclearization mean, all of those questions, and whether this appears to be more of the way in which this administration and this president in particular likes to negotiate. I think if you look at this in some ways, certainly those technical problems exist. Denuclearization, particularly in a short time frame, is something that's highly unlikely. Um, But that's not a surprise. It's sort of been known from the start. Right. You can't do this easily. That there's, yeah, I mean, what is denuclearization? How do you define it? What's the pace? What's the scope? These are all things that from the start everybody knew we're going to be, in many ways, irresolvable in a way that would make both sides happy. So one of the things I was looking at is when we saw the timing of this, the North Koreans for the past several days have been putting out little notes in their media, well, maybe the summit won't happen. In some ways, this seems like the United States, at least this administration, uh, effectively calling the North Korean bluff and doubling down, saying, okay, you don't want the summit to happen? There won't be a summit. You're the ones who said there would be a summit. You asked for it. Now you're saying you don't want it? We'll cancel it. But this president seems to have left the door open, both in the letter and in the public statements, to re-engaging for this type of summit.
0: Right. He said He said in his public statements, he said there's still a possibility this could go forward if North Korea changes their behavior, in addition to threatening that the military strike was still on the table and we could move in that direction as well. And it was their choice.
1: Do you see anything in the timing of the delivery of this letter? I mean, it did come immediately after the North Koreans uh, blew up their nuclear test site.
0: Literally hours after, and shortly after this second statement out of the North Koreans threatening to cancel it themselves. Uh, North Korea has given its two big concessions so far. The U.S. made sure that they were fully delivered. The U.S. got the three hostages. The U.S. got the nuclear site dismantled. It has those in the back pocket. And now it's kind of the North Koreans' next move to try to respond to the U.S. and show that they have some goodwill, and that they're willing to change their behavior. I, I have a question for you. What do you think the Chinese are thinking about all this? What's their reaction going to be?
1: There's probably a combination of concern and relief by China. On the one hand, I think China's number one fear was that the U.S. and the North Koreans sat down, the two leaders sat down, and their personalities – created such a dynamic that they both stormed out of the meeting and came out saying this is never going to work which effectively would have thrown the united states back on the military path in other words if the if clearly the two leaders can't solve this from a political perspective there is only one solution and that is the military solution so i think the chinese biggest fear was that this was rushed and it was going to fall all apart on the other hand i think they're concerned that it isn't happening because if you heard the president this morning, one of the first things he did, instead of saying, uh, you know, there's room for more talk, is he talked about how big the U.S. military is, how he's already talked to the U.S. military commanders and they're ready to bomb North Korea if they need to. He did re-raise that military threat right away. Um, and it does seem to throw off uh, that at least brief moment that looked like things were calming in, in that region. Now, I don't necessarily see this as the end of the the talks. Both sides have a very strong interest in moving forward. The Chinese would love to see these happen. The South Koreans would love to see this happen. I think the North Koreans and the Americans both want to see this happen. And if you look at the odd negotiating tactics of both the North Koreans and their traditional patterns and this administration, both of them canceling doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen. Both of them saying it will happen doesn't necessarily mean it will. Uh, They seem to love this unpredictability. But for China now, it is, I think, in the medium term, if this doesn't happen— For China, their view will be that the United States is the intransigent partner, and it may start to break down some of the international support behind maximum pressure.
0: That's going to be a lot harder to bring back into play, even if all of this diplomatic breakout completely breaks down. I mean, the U.S. just nixed the agreement on the JCPOA. Uh, The Europeans are going to be much less likely to cooperate. In addition, you'll have China and Russia criticizing this in the U.N. They'll be pushing back against that. South Korea is going to be more hesitant. Um, it's just going to be a lot harder for the U.S. to swing back into the position that it had in 2017 and get back online with that. My, I guess one of my questions now is, what is North Korea's next move? Could we see North Korea start testing new or start testing missiles again? Could we see North Korea start getting more belligerent? What do, what do you think they're actually going to do next?
1: Uh, after they catch their breath, um, I would argue that at least in the near term, the North Koreans are not going to make a rapid return to what the U.S. would call belligerence. Um again the North Koreans have been moving in this path for for months. They stopped missile tests a while ago. They stopped nuclear tests a while ago. They have the negotiations going on with the South Koreans. They're changing the way in which the rest of the region perceives them. If they simply start popping off missiles and testing nukes again uh, in the near term, they will lose any of the goodwill of any of the countries around them and maybe solidify the idea that the United States was right all along, you have to use military force. So I think the North Koreans are probably going to play a a, a physically quieter role. And again, in the back end, the North Koreans have been making these physical moves. I don't think that they were expecting the U.S. to call off the summit. I think they wouldn't have made these physical moves if they didn't have some layer of expectation or at least uh, uh, alignment with the United States, at least in their back end uh, negotiations and talks. This is one of those moments where the intentional unpredictability of both sides— certainly leaves the outcome up in the air even if you can see the underlying strategic postures by both sides.
0: Right. And we have to remember that the summit was announced just as suddenly as it was canceled. So things can change really really quickly in this dynamic and it really remains to be seen what both sides are going to do next.
2: For more insights into US North Korea relations and our ongoing assessment on developments on the Korean Peninsula, Be sure to read our related analysis at Stratfor Worldview. We'll include links in the show notes. If you're not already a Worldview member, you can sign up for our free newsletter or learn more about individual, team and enterprise access at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. And you can also share your thoughts on this podcast and ongoing developments with North Korea in our members only forum. And for more geopolitical intelligence, analysis and forecasting that reveal the underlying significance and future implications of emerging world events, follow us on Twitter at Stratfor.